This episode of Contracting Conversations is brought to you by BSCAI Affinity Programs. Learn how you can take advantage of BSCAI negotiated special rates and member-only savings on services, including background checks, office supplies, sales support, human resource advisory, insurance services, equipment rental, and more. Visit bscai.org slash affinity partners. Welcome to Contracting Conversations, a podcast series from the Building Service Contractors Association International. Through a series of interviews with entrepreneurs, business owners, and executives, this podcast aims to provide insights, trends, and tactics to support the growth and development of business owners serving the contract cleaning and facility maintenance industry. Welcome to Contracting Conversations, the official podcast of BSCAI. I'm your host, Lauren Leocoris. On this episode, I sit down with Jason Dorsey, president of the Center for Generational Kinetics and Gen Z and Millennial Expert, who will serve as one of our keynote speakers at this year's Contracting Success Conference. Tune in as Jason discusses the pursuit of his passion for helping his generation, what he believes are the core tenets of leadership, and why he's excited to deliver his keynote address. Support for Contracting Conversations comes from our premier partners, 3M, Diversity, Karcher, and Team Software. Learn more about our partners and their category-leading solutions for contractors at bscai.org partners. Hi, everybody. I'm Jason Dorsey. I'm president of the Center for Generational Kinetics. We're a research and speaking firm based in Austin, Texas. And what we're really passionate about, deeply passionate about, is separating generational myth from truth when it comes to generations. Because so much of what is said about generations is simply not true. And I hope we get to dive into that today. I also write a bunch of books. I've been on about 200 television shows. I've spoken at 3,000 events around the world. And I am fired up to be here today. Jason, first and foremost, can you tell me a little bit about your career path and how did you end up where you are now? Sure. The sort of short version is I had no plan to be doing this, uh, which is always probably the most interesting. I wrote a book when I was 18. I really wanted to help my generation. And then after a lot of years of trying to let people know about the book, I started being asked to speak. And then I ended up on a bunch of TV shows. I was on the Today Show. I was on The View, um, all these different TV shows. And then I got known for speaking about sort of my generation and to them about them and just really passionate about that. And ultimately, I ended up on 60 Minutes and it was an episode about millennials. I'm a millennial. And that episode was very, very well received, controversial, you know, lots of engagement uh, at the time. And it led to all these companies inviting me to come speak because they're like, we hired your people and their pants are falling off and they live with their mom and they're my basement and, you know, all this stuff. And so the, the, the big catalyst for me was, you know, I'm a millennial, so I'm sort of taking all these things personally, right? And uh, I'm like, I'm working. I'm doing all this. My friends are working. Like, what's going on here? And uh, I'm in a boardroom one day. I'll never forget this at, at this big company, big public company. And one of the, the key execs was saying how their millennial employees were just not very good and they weren't sticking around and like all this sort of stuff. And, and I didn't know any better. So I asked the executive, I said, you know, can I see your data? I would love to maybe try to understand the problem a little bit better. Maybe I can with some ideas, you know, just to see if I can help. So they sent me their data there. I think it was their head of HR. And I was going through the data the next week. And I remember looking at it on my laptop 
thinking this data about millennials doesn't match what was just said. Turns out they are great employees and they were sticking around and they were managers and they're doing all this stuff. Like, sure, there were some that weren't working out. That was true with all the generations. And so I remember I went to my wife. Uh, she has a PhD. Her name's Denise. And I said, Denise, you know, this is the strangest thing. This executive says all these things about their millennial employees. I get the data. I'm looking at the data. The data doesn't match what the executive just said in this meeting. What do you think we should do? And she says, we should start a research firm because if the executive doesn't understand their own data, imagine if we can give them data that they could really take action on that would really help them. That, that would be a huge service to them and the organization, the people they lead. And so that's how we founded our research center, uh, Center for Generational Kinetics. I think it's about 13 years ago now. And the whole idea was to lead original research that initially to separate myth from truth, which is what we did. And then to figure out what actually works across generations, you know, what works to recruit millennials or what works to motivate Gen Z or how do we drive communication across multiple generations on the same team? How do you determine, you know, succession planning when you have multiple generations, like all these sorts of things, big companies, small companies, not for profits, government agencies, you name it. And so we really dug into that. We've had about 700 clients now. We've led more than 70 research studies around the world. And just the idea is we just want to bring forward truth. And we don't even know what we're going to find, right? That's what great research is. And so that's what we get to do. We get to do it every day. Uh, right now, I have studies going in the US, Australia, Western Europe. Just It's just awesome. And I love this. And so uh, I'm really fired up to speak for BSAI because we're going to be able to share all kinds of new insights that the members can use, the attendees can use, because this is one of those industries where every single day they are leading, connecting and communicating with two, three, four, sometimes even five generations. And that is really really hard to do and to do it with a distributed workforce that's always out there making things happen. And so for me, there's never been a more important time to have this conversation. And it's exactly what we study. And I've obviously gotten to speak for the organization before for a smaller group of the leadership. And there's just such a great opportunity here to help all those attendees go back with tools they can use. And the cool thing is that it's not just they can use it at work, right? They get to use it with their family, with their friends. I mean, this is something you can apply everywhere. And so often you, you hear speakers, you're like, well, that's really great over here, but how do I you know, put that over here? And so everything else here is super practical and you can use it all the time. doesn't matter where you are. You can even use it in Vegas while you're there. <laughs> I love that. I mean, you are doing the good work trying to bridge that gap and erase some of those stigmas, because let me tell you something, these stigmas, I feel like they are entrenched in popular culture. I mean, how many TV shows do you watch or how many, you know, TikToks do you see where everyone's like, oh, well, this person's a baby boomer, like, okay, boomer. And this person's a millennial, like, lazy, undermotivated, like, you know, they don't understand what it means to work hard and earn a living and they're never going to retire and blah, blah, blah. So I feel like this is definitely going to resonate with everybody at BSCAI, of course, and contracting success, but also just in general. Yeah, right. Like, I mean, we're all living this. Talk about this. We, we, yeah. we live this at the holidays. We live this on weekends. We see our family. I mean, this is yeah. a, a real thing. And the funny part, I was, uh, I was at an event recently and one of the Gen Zers was like, Jason, why do you talk about boomers so much? Why do you like boomers so much? They don't even know technology. I'm like, they invented the phone you're using. The thing that you're using to make fun of them, they actually made it. It did not exist, right? You can't even connect to the Wi-Fi. You know, <laughs> it's just like absolutely. When we can start to make everybody feel valued and included, and and to me, that's I think a really important message, you know, to share on the on the show here today is like every single generation is valuable. Every single generation is important. There's no one generation that's more important and more valuable than the other. 
And the better we understand each of them through the context of our own generational lens, that's how we can unlock that potential. That's how we unlock talent. That's how we unlock sales. That's how we unlock growth. And, and it's just getting people to a place where they can see that. And so, you know, being able to separate myth from truth in my keynote for y'all, but also be able to go a lot deeper than that. And just how we relate to this as humans is something that for me, at least the feedback I get from audiences all the time is, well, I just see the world a little bit differently now because of the way that you sort of defined it and helped me to see how I see. And that's just, it's one of the greatest things ever. I, I love it. Absolutely. And my next question for you is, and I'm sure it'll be hard to kind of narrow it down to one. So what are some of the most important lessons that you've learned throughout your career? Sure. Um, so in my career, right, I've owned my own business since I was 18. I own two companies today. And I just, I love helping to grow organizations. So I think the thing that I've learned in that myself, we have four generations of work in our company here, is that you, know, you have to always be learning. And I think that's one of the most important lessons, like no matter how successful or how many failures you have, and I've had a lot of both, always being, being humble enough and open enough to keep learning, keep, you know, trying new things, challenging assumptions. And, and that, that can get hard to do when people get comfortable. You know, when your business reaches a certain size or, you know, just other things are sort of like on autopilot in the world. And, and I just think it's really important to always keep learning. And to me, generations is one of those areas that no matter how much you learn about it, there's always more to learn, right? There's always a new generation coming. There's always new trends shaping them. There's always new technology. So for me, that's something that's been very important. The second uh, for me, which is probably thematically similar to the first, is that I really deeply believe in mentors and finding people that have a lot more and different experiences than I do. I think diversity of experience is really important. Diversity of life journey, all those sorts of things really, really help. So for me, I've had mentors uh, since I was 18 years old, I have mentors right now. And what's fun is my mentors have mentors. I, I just love this journey. And so for me, um, being in regular, regular uh, connection with them, whether that's meeting them for coffee or breakfast or, you know, during COVID, you know, a lot of them, we just met through Zoom, like whatever it happened to be to keep those conversations going. And, and what's interesting is, I don't, I found that it's not that I go to them for, I have a question, what is the answer? But what it tends to be is how would you approach this in the sense, you know what I mean? Don't tell me what the answer is, but tell me how you think about this. Tell me sort of, you know, how do you, what are the questions that you would be asking yourself in order to figure out what works? And so for me, like really trying to learn the processes rather than just get an answer has been hugely valuable on that piece. And then I would say the third for me is, uh, at least for me, is, is really trying to make sure and live in a way that aligns with family. You know, I, I just because of the way that I grew up and what I experienced, to me, family and friends are really important and, and making sure to honor those within a calendar. And it's easy to always find more stuff to do. I'm really good at finding more work. And, you know, we people, we had three people today that wanted to hire me to do different things. So like, that's like, it, it's easy to do that. I think the trick is being able to say no or enough or, you know, I've got something else I need to do. My, my daughter's 10 years old. She's in fifth grade. And today I got to drive her to school, which I don't get to do when I travel. And it's just magic. It's like the magic 15 minutes of my day is me and my 10 year old daughter driving to school, you know, and, and, and being able to have a conversation, ask her questions. And she's just, you know, chatty in the car, which is completely different than when she's, you know, looking at her phone, looking at TikTok. And I just, I, I absolutely love being able to drive her to school, like something that simple, but you know, I always used to be gone 250 days a year forever. Like I was American Airlines Road Warrior of the Year. 
And now one of the things that I've learned, I think a bit of the hard way being gone so much is just how precious those little everyday moments are and to really you know, appreciate that, right? And, and so that's something that I've learned on this journey. I mean, lots of other stuff about building companies and helping people and all that sort of jazz, but, but those are ones that speak to me today in, tr- in terms of what's going on in my life. And I think the other thing I've learned through COVID is patience. Let me tell you, somebody who's, uh, I think 100% of the flights I've been on for the last two weeks have been delayed or canceled or, you know, changed in some way. And, and I have just learned that we just have to have a lot of patience right now and really trying to, to bring that to a lot of different things, I think is important for all of us in these times, because it's a tough time. There's a lot going on in the world and, and uh, having a little patience and giving people a little bit more grace and leeway, I think is really important. Absolutely. And actually your mention of mentorship and the mentors you've had throughout your career is a perfect segue into what I want to talk about next. So as far as some of the most valuable advice you've received, probably from some of the mentors that you still keep in contact with, what would you say that that those pieces of advice are? Oh, that's a tough one. I would say one of my mentors taught me, which is a lesson I unfortunately have to keep relearning, is to dedicate time to personal growth every week. And, and it's easy to push that one real far down the to-do list, whether that's reading a book, watching a TED video, something that's really about learning and growing. And not just in the sense of like, here's how to grow your business faster, but things to think about creative problem solving or what's going on in the world or you know whatever it happens to be. Really committing to whatever it is, an hour a week, whether that's to read a book or listen to an audio book or listen to a podcast like this, but something that really is to pour back into yourself I think that's really important, particularly for those of us that are giving out so much, right? And so for me, that's one thing that's been really important. The second one that I've learned, and I've, I think I've done pretty well with this one, is uh, to not be afraid to ask for help or to ask somebody for whatever it is that you're, you want, that you're trying to get. And, and what I mean by that is like learning to ask for the sale early on for me was really tough. I had a, a pretty high fear of rejection, but once I got rejected enough times, all of a sudden it didn't matter to me. And then that just always got me closer to, you know, our first sales back when I was 18, 19 years old. And, and so learning to just, you know, ask the worst I can say is no, that's been a really big lesson that, that I've applied, I think in a lot of different areas of my life. And that for people to be able to help me, for me to be able to learn another way that I, that I approached that, I learned this when I was doing a lot of television is I would always ask them and they'd say, Oh, Jason, you should be on TV. I'd be like, well, how do you do that? Or they'd be like, Jason, you should, you know, do this. I'd be like, well, how do you do that? And right. I just, I didn't know. I grew up in a small town. I didn't know any of these things. And so just asking like, how do you do that? And then, you know, uh, I mean, I would just cold email or cold call somebody. What's the worst I could say is no. And I think there's something really powerful about those two things that really helped create opportunity. Uh, in my speeches, I call this asking for opportunity, but you really got to ask for the opportunity of the world, of your boss, of your, of your colleagues, whatever that is. And then I would say, the third one, as I sort of uh, look through things now, is to, to actually set whether it's goals, vision. People use a lot of what I think are cheesy words, but at the end of the day, whatever the word is that works for you that matters or that the planning is really important. So like every year uh, with my wife, we go, uh, we do a little retreat together and we set our plans for the next year. We reflect on what we did before uh, in that year, what we learned, what worked, what didn't you know, the ups and downs of all these different things. And then we really set and agree upon what our plans are individually as a couple and family and so forth for the next year. And that has just been such a grounding experience for me and helping to drive clarity and helping to drive, you know, dedication. Uh, It's just been really, really powerful for me. And I would have never done that, right? Like ever in a million years, like, why do I need to go do this? And now I look forward to it. And I just, I really believe 
that getting clear about what we're aiming for, what we're trying to do or achieve or become, or whatever that happens to be, experience, you name it, the more specific we are and the clearer we are and, and even bringing that out into the world, letting people know about that, the more likely I feel I am to be able to, uh, to get there. Or if I don't get there, I'm going to get a lot further than, you know, had I not taken those steps. And so that's something that's been that's really helped me that I didn't believe in. Now, I also journal, which is sort of fascinating as a millennial who can't read their own handwriting, but I've been journaling since I was 18. And I do find that for me, taking the time to think through what happened in a day or in a period of time and reflect on that, or sometimes even just sort of put it out on paper is just for me, a, a really grounding and helpful experience. And so that's something that I I talk about a lot and I still lean on that a lot. It's just been, I don't know where I learned it or picked it up, but it's one of those things that I just am really glad that I do. So a whole bunch of unsolicited advice for all the <laughs> listeners out there. No, no, no. They work for me. They may not at all work for you, but uh, they've worked for me. So it's all valuable. It really is. So, I mean, you've talked at length about your success, your tenacity, your passion for what you do. Can you speak to any challenges that you've had to overcome throughout the course of your career? Man, I've got so many challenges. We don't have enough time left for that one. I mean, I don't know. Is, this is a two-hour podcast, Lauren. The, um, the, yeah, I mean, for me, my whole story has been about dealing with adversity, right? That's been my experience because a lot of people don't know I didn't finish high school. And I decided instead to go to college early because I didn't feel like I fit into high school. And then I go to college and I find this calling to go help my generation. So I never finished college. And, you know, I basically got disowned by my parents because, you know, I was going to go write a book and help my generation. I ended up sleeping on a floor for two years, trying to go pave a path that people basically said was impossible and everybody laughed at. And, you know, that's just like what I experienced over and over and over again was choosing a path that was non-traditional, whether or not it was the right one for me was, was, you know, either you look at it as threatening, you can look at it as comical, but other people's view of what the decisions I made led them to sort of behave in a way that just, you know, only made them not believe in me. Right. And that put, put me down or tell me I couldn't do it. I mean, I've got so many stories. People had said, you'll never be able to do all that stuff. But, you know, for me, it just sort of hardened me to keep going and, you know, learning to deal with rejection and learning to deal with, uh, oh, how do you speak in front of a group? I don't know. I'm just going to go up there and speak. Like my speaking style is so odd unusual because I learned how to speak in not very speaker-friendly environments because that's the only places that I can speak, right? And so then all of a sudden, wow, you're so unusual. It's like, well, that's because of the way that I had to learn. So, you know, those sorts of things and just lots of other family stuff and other challenges and setbacks and it just choosing to go in a different direction than everybody else is just hard. And, and, and it's just a hard deal starting your own business. And I mean, I've started companies that completely failed, right? I've been through so much stuff around that. And at the end of the day, I choose to believe that the challenges and the setbacks and, you know, sort of the punches in the gut and everything else that happens, like I'm not here to say that they happen for a reason, but I'm confident that we have the choice to choose to learn from them and to grow from them and to figure out how to avoid them in the future. Right. And so to me, when I think about all this, you know, challenges and all the family stuff that we've gone through and so many other things that it's just, you know, it is what it is and you just got to make it work. And, uh, you know, my wife and I joke, we, we call it figure it out, you know, like we just got to figure it out. And that's, that's sort of what we do. So, yeah. Absolutely. And Jason, to you, what is the most important quality a leader can have? You know, for me, just given sort of my views of the world, I think being a great listener, like really listening is an incredibly important quality for a leader every background and title and age and, you know, you name it, it's just, is really being able to listen in a way that you can hear sort of what's not said. And what I mean by that is, 
there's so much people are trying to communicate or not communicate. And, and I think taking the time to really listen and hear people and sometimes vulnerability and them being willing to share and the, and the candor and, you know, really seeking to understand versus the quick, have an answer, quick, solve the problem or those sorts of things. Because sometimes people just want you to listen. And at the end of the day, like it's very hard to lead an organization of any size if you don't have the, the awareness sort of grounded in candor and truth to know what's actually going on in that organization. So for me, ironically enough, as a speaker, the quality I really am endeared with is, uh, is listening. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that makes sense. So kind of shifting gears a little bit more toward your upcoming speaking engagement, your keynote speech at Con- Contracting Success in November. So what is the process you follow when you're developing your keynote session? And what most excites you about speaking at an event like Contracting Success? Sure. So I'm really fired up about speaking to contracting success because the people in that room are dealing with exactly what I talk about. They are living this every day in the most glamorous and unglamorous ways. doesn't matter whether that's on the recruiting side and using all these fancy digital tools or that's trying to motivate and retain their staff. I mean, this is a really, really, really tough time right now in this business when we look at retention and we've got all kinds of things going on. So being able to deliver insights and specific actions that every single person in that room can use, no matter where they came from, no matter the size of their business or their role, that gets me fired up, right? That's a real chance to be of service. In terms of the process, you know, we have a pretty in-depth customization process. I don't have a, you know, a can talk, a single talk. I wish I did, but I don't. Uh, so, you know, we'll go through this preparation process where I will work with the committee and the different people and stakeholders to make sure I understand all the key things that we need to make sure and be able to speak to and speak about and then and then solve for. I'll look at any data we have. I'll draw from other industry data that I have and sort of pull all that together into something that's really high energy, really engaging, a lot of very surprising insights and then tactical specific actions that everybody can actually use. Because I think one of the biggest disservice that speakers do is when they share all these great strategies and tactics that you can't do in that business. And you're like, well, got me all fired up and I can't use this. And so to me, it's very important that the actions and strategies I share, every person in that room can use, every single one. And when I am able to deliver that, that to me means I really succeeded. Excellent. So how do you think building service contractors can benefit from a greater understanding of generational kinetics? The main thing is when we think about those that are in this industry is they're having to navigate these generational differences every day, right? In, in every aspect from recruiting and retention and motivation to communication, health and safety, you name it. And so anything we can do that gives them insights and strategies they can use is a huge deal to them. And it's not about solving the problem for them. I can't do that. But if I give them strategies and actions that they can use to do that, that's a huge deal. So this is... Uh, I mean, really, every single person, regardless of title, will leave with actions they can use. And I think that is so incredibly important right now. And Jason, my last question for you is, why should contracting success attendees be excited for your keynote address? Because it's going to be fun. It's going to be a great time. It's funny. I laugh at my own jokes. How awesome is that? And I'll share all kinds of new insights and strategies. And it's really going to be fantastic. Besides being high energy, it's also interactive, which is pretty fun. And then this is something every person there can apply with their family, with their friends and their community, not just at work. And to me, that is incredibly exciting. Jason, thank you so much for being part of this podcast episode. I'm so excited to share it with our BSCIA membership. 
So again, thank you so much for being part of Contracting Conversations. We really appreciate it. Thanks. And thanks everybody for listening. So glad that you joined us today. If you want to get more cool, fun stuff before the event, feel free to check me out on Twitter at, at Jason Dorsey or on LinkedIn or on Instagram at Jason underscore Dorsey or whatever social media you use. And if you have no idea about anything I just said, no worries. You're going to really love the keynote. So I look forward to seeing you there. <laughs>